Welcome to another episode of the Possum University Podcast, the podcast for dog people. If you're listening for the first time, I'm John. I'm a former animal cruelty officer and animal shelter supervisor. And I'm Jamie. I am a certified dog trainer and canine behavioral consultant. Dog bites, puppy mouthing, one crazy benefit to spaying and neutering your pets, and another accomplishment for one of PU's star pupils. All that and more coming up next. It's officially the holiday season. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I know we did. We did. With no incidents as far as the dogs are concerned. And I was made to be a liar. (laughs) The garbage was not put in the kitchen this year. I noticed that. Yeah, I was wrong. I don't know if she listened. Do you want to know why? Why? Because I took it out. Did you really? (laughs) I didn't even notice it. I did. Probably when I was taking a nap. You took a really long nap. I needed it. You were tired. Your sister was in from Massachusetts, so we hardly ever see her. So whenever she's in, we got to make sure we have a good time. I think it's a lot of fun when my sister comes in. I get to see you really relax and you guys got to go shooting. Uh, We went to a bunch of breweries and stuff like that. I think it was a really fun week. I think it was really nice to watch you kind of recover and recharge yourself and just relaxing with family that was fun for me to watch obviously I'm pregnant guys so I can't drink so it wasn't as fun for me watching everybody drunk in my family but it was a lot of fun we did the drinking for you <laughs> you did <laughs> and also we actually heard from Dr. Mammon our favorite veterinarian mm-hmm. who let us know she listened to our last episode and wanted us to definitely double down on this as far as turkey meat goes the light meat, the white meat is okay. The dark meat is no go. Yes. They could still get pancreatitis. I don't know if it's the fat content in the dark meat, but never feed dark meat, only light meat, no skin, no fat, just the light meat. Yep. And they'll be happy with it. Yep. So thank you, Dr. <laughs> Mammon, for clarifying. As always, we want to make sure we're always getting the best information out there. She was like, keep that dark meat away from my babies. <laughs> she cracks me up. So let's talk about the fun or weird fact of the week. Okay. Researchers looked at a sample of 40,139 death records from the veterinary medical database from 1984 to 2004, and they determined the average age at death for intact dogs, which are dogs that that haven't been spayed or neutered, is 7.9 years, compared to sterilized dogs or dogs that have been spayed or neutered, which is 9.4 years on average. Wow. Which is when you're talking about large spectrum of breeds, there's some breeds whose life expectancy is eight nine years Mm -hmm. so you know brings the average down but clearly there's some type of correlation between a sterilized dog and a non-sterilized dog i don't know if it's that that could be the level of care that they receive from their owners you know a more informed owner Mm -hmm. is going to get their dog spayed or neutered yeah we already know you know pyometra and there's other medical issues testicular cancer all these issues that can affect dogs that are still intact so that could definitely play a large role in life expectancy. So there's another reason to get your dog spayed and neutered. If population control wasn't enough and the health risks aren't enough, you're looking at almost two full years yeah, onto their life. Yeah, a long time. That's a long time for dogs. Yeah. 14 years in human, human years. Yeah. So this week, you wanted to talk about dog bites. Yes. Mainly because we had come across a posting from one of our local police departments. They had released, like, they do, like, the public blotter, Mm -hmm. where if they have an incident, they'll release it to the public, let them know what happens. And they had said that a dog attacked another dog and the person walking in. Yes, but there was no attack. And I think that's why we want to bring this up. We think that terminology, you know, passed around between people, we're not using the right words. And I think that gets people really confused, especially when we're trying to battle you know this stigma of dogs in general 
And I think that the police department, they don't really, they didn't really know any better on this one. They used the word attack when the dog actually didn't even make contact with anybody. The only thing that happened was he got out of his yard. He jumped the fence that his owner had just put in for him because he had escaped, I think, the week prior. Put in a fence. He jumped it. He's clearly an escape artist. He went perusing around town. He wound up passing an older woman and her dog, and she got nervous, and she wound up falling. But he did not make contact. He did not approach them. He did not touch them. There were no bites. No, there was no attack. An attack, as far as a dog attack, is more than one successive bite. So the dog has to bite you once, and then in the same incident, come back for more. Mm-hmm. So if you are bit once, and an hour passes, and they bite you again... It's not an attack. Different. It needs to be in succession. Yes. And it needs to be two or more bites in succession to qualify as a dog attack. Mm-hmm. We would we, we talked about this a lot at the shelter when we were um, attendants there. When an incident would happen with the dog, that was one of the things that was always discussed. How many bites were there? So in a situation where a dog might be guarding or a dog feel uncomfortable and the dog bit you, if you were to back up, and try and get away from the dog, but the dog is still approaching you and bites again, that is an attack. There's a different, like if you're trying to get out of the situation, but the dog is not even allowing you to retreat, then that's a problem. So we call that an attack. Even if it was one bite, even if that dog was uncomfortable, bit you once and that was it, it is not an attack. That dog did not attack you. You got bit. That's that's a huge difference. So we want we want people to be more um, knowledgeable about the terms that they're using. Even if a dog was running up on you, it's not an attack. And I know it's so easy to say that word because that's how it feels, but that's not the correct terminology. So we wanted to touch on that today and really just go into aggression in general and talk about why these things happen. And so so I think that us as humans can understand dogs better when it comes to this um a lot of people will tell me oh that dog's aggressive or my dog's aggressive or uh we have aggressive tendencies i never use the a word i hate it because i don't think it really exists in many examples or in situations if you think you have an aggressive dog you explain the dog to me and nine times out of ten your dog is not an aggressive dog because your dog lives with you you wake up every morning breathing your dog in some instances shows you affection if you have this if if a dog can show affection or you know live harmoniously with one other creature they are not an aggressive dog how I constitute an aggressive dog is a dog that wants to be a loner doesn't want to be with people doesn't want to be with dogs doesn't find kinship with anybody literally wants to be alone that is how I constitute an aggressive dog a lot of times I have to tell people listen your dog's not aggressive we got to find we got to find the reason why this dog is upset, why this dog is acting this way, pinpoint it down. Is it anxiety? Is it that they're uncomfortable? Have they been abused? All these things. Under socialization is a big one, especially when we get dogs in the shelter Mm -hmm. and they seem aggressive and, but the owner can come, the owner can put a muzzle on if Mm -hmm. we need to do a medical workup. That's a dog that hasn't been properly socialized. They're terrified. Terrified of other people. They're not aggressive. Yeah. They're under socialized and probably terrified. Yes. So that is something that we're going to talk about today. I want to touch on the fact that most bites are stemming from fear. And I think this is the mark that we miss in the understanding process as humans. We are not seeing the situation from the dog's eyes. We are seeing it from our point of view. And we're saying, well, why did you do that? And and we can't come up with a single thing initially in our brains to say that was appropriate. So to us, it's just it's just a no. 
So it shouldn't have happened. So we say it's aggression. But we need to look at it from the dog's point of view. Look at that fear. What's going on? Is the is the dog's posture off? You know, ears back, tight, all together, down to the ground, whites of the eyes. Can if you can see the whites of our eyes, back up. You're it's you're not you're not in a good spot. But loud noises, thunder, um, men. Unfortunately, sorry for the gender, but most dogs don't love men. It's true. It's I feel bad for you guys because most of you are really nice dog lovers, and I can see. There are a lot of men out there who get offended, like when a dog doesn't love them initially because they're a dog person. And I'm like, it's not you. It's not your fault. It's something that somebody did down the line that scared mm-hmm. the crap out of this dog. So if you are a man and you are tall, watch your body posture. Don't loom over dogs. Even if you're a dog person and dogs love you, just be careful because you may not even notice that you're doing it. I find this a lot. So sit down, even like get on the ground. This will really help like, like be on their level so you are not as intimidating to them. Also, protect your face. Yes, yes. Protect the goods. Whenever a dog that I'm not familiar with, but I know I need to get on their level, starts to approach my face, mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll yeah, usually I always have my treats on mm-hmm. me, so I'll have a treat, I'll lure them away, and I'll slowly just kind of create a little more space between us. But you always will bend down on an angle, I notice. I watch you. When you get down, like you're you're almost like diagonal from yeah, them. I give them my, my hip. Yes, you are not face on with them. You don't just bend down while facing them. You turn to the side and then bend down. Mm-hmm. And that's twofold. That's less threatening to the dog. Mm-hmm. And that gives me, one, I could stand up quickly and away from them yes. if I need to. Yes. And it also protects my vulnerable parts of my body, <laughs> which obviously <laughs> the one you just thought of. And then my neck, you know, my, my face. Yep. All that as well. Yes. But of course, there's the more important part. (laughs) So, yes, if you are a man, unfortunately, uh, the way things are right now, and hopefully we can change this in the future, but a lot of dogs that are skittish don't love men. They have a, a better kinship with women. We give off sometimes a more compassionate vibe, and that's why they will run to us. But again, going back to what I said, most bites that do happen are from fear. So what I want you to think in that moment is this dog scared and why are they scared? If you have a dog that bites, you need to figure out, especially if it's a rescue, if you don't know the history, we have to kind of play detective and find out, you know, what really is going on. I'm going to bring up one of my clients, a quick example. Um, her name is Lexi. She is a cockapoo. She is purebred, bought from a breeder, probably not the best breeder. Mom and I already discussed that. They totally agree. She was probably overbred. Being overbred is like mom breeding with her son and then making children. It's not good. It's incest. And in turn, you may get dogs that are not mentally and sometimes physically mentally not that happy-go-lucky puppy. She basically, if we, I mean, if she probably got tested, she'd probably along the lines be like bipolar or something like that. Definitely born with anxiety. This is not a learned behavior. This was something that was passed down to her. Um, From an early age, she was definitely more of a rambunctious puppy, a little bit more rough. She definitely didn't have enough time with her siblings, but she was definitely on the rougher side when it came to things. She, um, up until this point, super startled. If you were to accidentally step on her, she would bite you. And she's one of those. She's one of those. Uh, and she would, like, she's angry. Like, she's mad. Like, she's like, I cannot believe you just stepped on me. I am biting your foot. Um, whereas other dogs, if you stepped on them, they'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And they would cower because they're like, oh, my God, I got hurt. I must have done something wrong. In reality, Lexi's first response was to be angry. They were also having a problem with Lexi sleeping in bed. She would, if 
their feet would move underneath the covers, she would attack their feet. She didn't like to be startled. She definitely was a dog that did not like to be bamboozled. Like she wants to know everything that's going on. She wants to be in full control. We worked for, she's a year now. We worked since they've had her eight weeks old. I've been working with them. We have fixed a lot of things, but the one thing I noticed was underlying anxiety that wasn't going to be changed by behavioral changes. They did so much with this dog. I'm so proud of them as clients. They worked their butts off to get her where she is. I did suggest in the last month, let's try some anti-anxiety medication after trying tons and tons of other remedies because they definitely noticed she was still on edge. Um, Halloween, they took her out for her last walk and there was a bunch of kids walking down the street yelling and screaming. She would not go outside to go poop for four days. Because she was petrified that these children were going to come back. They're still there. They're in their masks. (laughs) Um, So she definitely holds on to things. So we needed to figure that out because that's super detrimental to her as a dog in terms of socialization. Got her on anti-anxiety meds. Three weeks. Three weeks. They are seeing huge improvements, which lets me know this dog had underlying anxiety that she could not get rid of. No matter how hard we work, no matter what situation we put her in, there was that underlying anxiety. And this this wasn't to a point where they couldn't live with her. You know, they weren't like nervous having people over or anything like that, but they wanted her to be happy. They like, She's a baby. She's only a year old. They didn't want her to have to like bite or, and she was guarding things. She was guarding like really high value bones and stuff like that. No reason for that at that age. They really wanted to fix it. Um, so with the anxiety medication, huge change. She did. She I don't even think she's bitten anybody in in weeks she needed. And that's what it actually was a huge relief off of me because I was like this dog. This is what she needed the entire time. And that's okay. We tried everything we did. My first go to is not medication at all. I hate it. I wish we didn't need it. I wish nobody needed it. But sometimes you do. She needed help. Now we see where she is and hopefully we can get to a point where we can still work on these things, train like hell while she's on the medication and slowly wean off when we think that she's ready. Um, And that's the goal, never to be on uh, long-term medication. So that is an example of where we know that Lexi was born with underlying anxiety. Guarding in general, this can happen from an early age, especially with dogs that are overbred or could be a learned behavior from a dog in a shelter that maybe didn't have resources, had to fight for food. Um, This is very, very common in rescues to guard high value things. I think it's important to talk about guarding and and what happens on the other side. As humans, we see this dog hold on to this object and get really super scary. And then, you know, our first instinct is to be dominant and yell at them so they're scared and they give it up so we feel like we're in charge because when they got like that we lost control well they're biting the hand that feeds them that's like the ultimate insult if you're not thinking the way you should be thinking exactly so we personally get offended when a dog guards and I want to get everybody out of that I want you to think about it as a situation of when your dog is guarding imagine like the world that they are seeing, like everything is falling behind them. They're like, they're not in the room that they're in. You are not you. They are not them. And they are in an alternate universe. And the only thing that matters is that object that they are holding onto. It could be a sock. It could be underwear. It could be something that has no value to them whatsoever. But at that moment, it is the most precious item and you are not you. So they, their emotions towards you, their love towards you has melted away. You are not you. And I think if people got into that mindset when guarding is happening, they'd be a lot less offended because then they could understand their dogs a lot better. Right. 
So let's talk about some pretty good indicators that your dog is going to guard from you. I think the first thing that you'll probably see is the whites of their eyes. They get really tight around the shoulders and then their little paws that are holding the object will clinch. Yeah, they usually tend not to move their heads. Yes. It's just the eyes. Yes. Or like they'll turn their neck just the tiniest bit, but it's so tight to the shoulder blade and they're they're not happy. You can definitely tell they're super stiff. If their body language is telling you they're still trying to have full possession of whatever they have and they're watching you, they're probably perceiving you as a threat to that resource. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty good pre-bite indicator yep. is that you're going to see whale eyes. You're going to see them get stiff. They're going to stop doing what they're doing and they're going to Take a body position where they are still possessing what they have, but they're making sure they're watching every single thing you're doing. And if they're watching you, you better believe they're able to bite you. If they do that, break eye contact. Yes. Because you maintaining eye contact in them because they look silly because whale eyes look silly all the time. That's as if you're maintaining your position Mm -hmm. that you intend to do what they think you're going to do. You're not standing down. (laughs) And that's usually when they'll they'll bring in a a low growl Mm -hmm. or they'll show teeth. And it only escalates from there. You got to put your pride aside. You have to realize that at that moment, your dog is not capable of stopping. Because if they got to that point, they're not going to just say, oh, let me stop now. Let me just like, they're already in it. They're in it to win it. And that's it. So really take a moment to compose yourself and just think to yourself, okay, my dog is not my dog right now. And I just need to do what I can to get his mindset and my mindset away from this situation. It's almost like, okay, let's go do peepees. Let's go do something else. You want to, you want to, like how I said before, how like their background is melting away. They're in this alternate universe. You want to snap them back in. Mm -hmm. You want to bring them back to reality and make them forget about that bone. This is hard sometimes. If you have an extreme garter, that might not be the case. Just leaving the room might be your best bet for a little bit. Using other food and other things really, really do help. Turkey, cheese, distracting them, trying to get them away from whatever it is that they're guarding. But I do tell a lot of my clients that if they are guarding an inanimate object that that has no value to you, a sock, underwear, a piece of paper, nothing that's going to harm them. And if they're not an eater, if they're not going to like stuff it down their throat, Let them have it. If it's just a possessive game, ignore them the second they grab it. A lot of people, especially with puppies, this is when it starts when they're around like six months and they start to get super confident and get big enough to like jump on stuff. They'll steal it and they know they're getting a rise out of you. And whether or not they're not getting enough exercise, attention or what have you, grabbing that object and getting a rise out of you is the the most important thing to them that day. But if you don't react, you are taking away all of their ammo. You're not putting a value to that item. Yep. That's the biggest thing. Yep. So if you don't show value, like that dog's literally going to take it. You're going to ignore them. You're not even going to look at them or react. And that dog's going to be like, wait a minute. Why aren't you looking at me? Why aren't you chasing me? And then they're going to give it up because it's boring because it's a sock. But if they eat it, then you got a problem. You don't want a, an obstruction. Moving away from guarding, I think it's it's really important to talk about bites in general. There's differences. There's, you know, a real bite. Obviously, we talked about an attack already. More than one bite in general. One bite, breaking skin. There's mouthing. There's so many different types of bites. And most of them actually fall under one category. So there's a wonderful scale known as the Dr. Ian Dunbar's dog bite scale which is probably not seen by many people outside of the profession. Yeah. But it's a really important document that we make a lot of decisions on. And especially in the shelter system, when we're assessing a dog bite, it helps 
guide your decision towards humane euthanasia if, if it's necessary. I think it keeps your emotions out of it, especially for shelter attendants and people making that decision. Right. It's not just off the top of your head. Yes. How you feel about that mm-hmm. situation. So interestingly enough, there are six levels of dog bites under the Dr. Ian Dunbar scale. Levels one and two comprise over 99% of all dog incidents. Level one is obnoxious or aggressive behavior, but no skin contact by teeth. Level two is skin contact by teeth, but no skin puncture. However, maybe skin nicks less than one-tenth of an inch deep and slight bleeding caused by forward or lateral movement of teeth against skin, but no vertical puncture. So what that means is if it does break skin, it's only breaking skin because you're pulling or the victim is pulling their hand out of the dog's mouth. Mm -hmm. Because you got nervous. It's that scraping that'll break the skin, but there's no actual vertical puncture into the skin. Mm -hmm. That's level one and two, and they comprise over 99% of all dog incidents. That's crazy to me. And that's mouthing. I know. (laughs) We don't consider that a bite. No, I don't. I don't. The prognosis for that is wonderful, obviously. It Mm -hmm. can be easily trained out. And then above that, we'll discuss the rest of the levels real quick. Level three, one to four punctures from a single bite with no puncture deeper than half the length of the dog's canine tooth. Maybe lacerations in a single direction caused by victim pulling hand away, like we discussed on level two. Owner pulling dog away or gravity, like a little dog jumping up, biting on you. And And pulling down. (laughs) Gravity pulling them back down. Level four, going up in severity. One to four punctures from a single bite with at least one puncture deeper than half the length of the dog's canine tooth. May also have deep bruising from around the wound. Dog held on for X amount of seconds and bore down. Or lacerations in both directions. Dog held on and shook its head from side to side. Level five is a multiple bite incident with at least two level four bites. Or multiple attack incident with at least one level four bite in each. And then level six is victim deceased. Most of our dog bites are level one, level two. Dog mouthing. Yes. Which most of the time, if your dog is still mouthing, and this can happen past teething because they never learned. They never learned bite inhibition. They were taken away from mom and siblings too soon. And maybe as owners, or maybe this dog got passed around and you got him, you got the dog later in the game. They never learned. They never learned that that's inappropriate, that that hurts, or that it's not fun for everybody. And that's that's where we get the problem. We actually uh, train a dog right now. His name is Rambe. He's just a big puppy. He, I think he's like eight or nine months now, and he never learned. He got passed around. He grew up in a shelter. He never found out that that hurts everybody else. He's having a ball. He doesn't think that when he's mouthing that he's hurting anybody. He needs he needs more structure. He needs more exercise. He needs a lot of different things to get him to where he needs to be. He can't stop mouthing right now. It is a reflex for him. He can't stop. So you, as your as the owner and anybody who has a dog like him, you need to realize that your frustration only makes it worse for him. And just doing absolutely everything that you can to get him to understand, like nobody's having fun but you right now. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not really. It's it's a bite, but it's not. It's something that can be, like John said, really trained out. You just right. need to have patience. And the, the biggest difference is why we don't consider it a bite is because of the intention behind it. Yes. It's really just your dog being rambunctious, out of control, with no bite inhibition. Mm-hmm. Overstimulation, how you said out of control. If the situation is too much, there's too many dogs running around, too many new people, they get nervous. And it's not a nervousness of like, oh my God, I'm so scared. Sometimes they get nervous when they're excited. 
they don't know what to do with themselves. It's almost like people that like put their fingers in their mouth because they need to bite their nails when they're nervous. It's the same thing. They need to put something in their mouth. Mm-hmm. That's what Opal does when people come in. 100%. The blind one. She wants, she's excited. She's happy you're here. She holds on to your arm or your hand because she doesn't want you to leave. And she can't find you again. <laughs> so, so I think she does that. And it's really like the first five minutes someone's here and then she's done. It's, it's excitement. She doesn't know what to do. So she has to put something in her mouth. It's important to also talk about, you know, we did talk a little bit about body posture and how, you know, you're going to get bit with guarding. But I think that that translates to other situations as well. Any situation you should know body posture of a dog if they're uncomfortable. John and I are like experts at this because we've dealt with it for years now of knowing like if a dog is uncomfortable or not. But a lot of other people don't get to experience this often. So they need to know what to look for. Now, if a dog is excited and they're happy to see you, but maybe they're not trained and they're jumping up, just watch your hands. But if a dog is like retreating, running away, ears back, whale eyes, pacing, yawning, barking, like not a nice bark, retreat. You got to back yourself up. But then there are dogs that it's when we say fight or flight, they're the fighters, they approach. That's when you need to watch your body posture so you don't get hurt. I think if a dog is approaching you and they're, this happens a lot where they actually go slow. They're not running to you. They're like creeping forward. And it's, it's actually really creepy. Even though you're far enough away from them, they still feel like you are a threat. So they are slowly approaching you, still giving you time to run, (laughs) but they are definitely telling you they're not comfortable. They're growling. Again, um, their body is low. They're crouching. They're, they're tucked in. They're, they're actually, um, trying to go into survival mode themselves. They're tight. Their necks are in and they're, they're just ready to go. They're hyper-focused, super uncomfortable. And I've always found that the dogs that will rapid fire bark at you are probably the ones that are going to bite you. Yes. The scared ones usually let out a bark, 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 and there's some type of... Like a laxed. Yeah, right, because they're feeling out the situation. And they'll bark again. Because they're unsure. A dog that's ready to ruin your day is usually... <laughs> rapid ju- fire. Rapid fire barking. They're, they're letting you know, you. I am not happy. This is another thing that I have a problem with because everyone, uh, someone who gets bit, that dog just bit me out of nowhere. I guarantee you that dog did not bite you out of nowhere. You just can't. <laughs> you just don't know how to read dogs. You didn't identify it. Unless this dog was trained, the barking, the growling, all the warning signs were trained out, which is another thing. That's why we don't do any militant training, anything like that. We do not want to train out warning signs. They are important. They are communication. They're basically telling you, I am uncomfortable. Please leave me alone. If you train out the warning signs, you are getting rid of the tick on a ticking time bomb. Yep. It's still going to explode. Never, ever yell at your dog for barking, growling, snapping. They need to tell you. That is very important, especially around children. You know, I have a lot of people, oh, well, this dog bit this kid. Well, what was the kid doing? And I know that there's two sides to every story, but as parents, we all need to watch our children. They cannot be accountable for what they're doing. They are children. They don't know any better. We see it literally in trainings. We see it, and it's like... It's tough to figure out what kind of line you could step across and what you can't. Especially like, with, what can with I clients. Say? What can yeah. I say to this as, client about their kid? As I'm watching their kid like yank the dog's <laughs> ear off and the dog starts to growl. Mm-hmm. At what point do I... Step in yeah. or ignore. And you really, it's it's tough. And it's a situation I hate to be in because I, I do feel that is part of parenting. When you decide to have children, you decide to have dogs, you're taking on two and one. They're not separate. They're always together. So you need to be able to 
really handle that situation and and be your dog's advocate because you can speak to your your son or your daughter your dog can't be aware of that if your dog is like and and I I am a huge component of this like your dog should have their own space and your children should really respect that if there's one place in the house that's just for your dog their dog bed their crate this and that kids should not be in there they should have a retreat if they need it and I think that's very important we have some clients like Opie's mom who's fantastic at respecting Opie oh, and teaching her daughter to respect Opie mm-hmm. and that, you know, her actions are her own consequences. Yes. And if she causes another another dog, like when we were at the uh, the Halloween event. Yes. And there was another dog. Her, her daughter probably didn't even realize that she was teasing the dog because she had a treat in her hand. And she's she like just, three. Yeah, she's just waving <laughs> it around. And she said, you're teasing that dog. You're going to upset him. Yeah, give him that treat. He's like, he earned it. And she's an awesome mom. She's an awesome dog mom, awesome human mom. Like she, she does it, and I, I love it. I love to see it, and I, and I want more people to be aware of this. That it's not your dog is just not a dog. Your dog has feelings, and and you got to be aware of what's going on in this situation. Dogs are individuals. Yes. Whether you like it or not, dogs are individuals. So let's steer away from the biting. I think we've covered that pretty well. Yes. You had a pretty cool text that you received this week. Yeah. For our accomplishment of the week, our Ember, who if you follow Paulson Walks on Instagram and you go to the Instagram TV section, we put a nice little video about her story. I love her. But she's from Puerto Rico. Yeah, she was found in the forest with like seven puppies. Yeah, she had a bunch of puppies with her. She, she was, was emaciated. So skinny. They sucked her dry. <laughs> and that was one of the Sato rescues down there. Took custody of her. Brought her up to New York, and then she found her forever home with her mom yeah. here in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And she sent you, after you've been working with them for a while, and Puzzle Mox's Kristen yes. has been running with her weekly, taking on her runs to burn off some of that nervous energy. Mm-hmm. She's a very anxious dog. And, and it didn't happen immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, we saw, you know, she was good. She, now, um, they have two boys. Um, one is severely ill. He has, he was born with, with three different illnesses and he's doing okay. But I mean, he's in the hospital like every other week and she, they really got her as like a therapy dog to him. And she has been amazing for them. But I think her anxiety kind of came out once, and plus they got her in summer and she hates thunderstorms. So that it was a bad summer. Was awful. Oh my God. I felt so bad for this dog. She literally ripped off the molding to their garage door. She was that upset. And, um, in all other aspects, she's a wonderful dog, except she all of a sudden started having really bad dog reactivity. Bad, which is funny because obviously she's a Sato and you know, they really survived by being dog being friendly. friendly. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if, you know, what happened while she was in foster, who knows, you know, she traveled miles to get where she is now. So anything could have happened. So I got a really nice text from mom the day before Thanksgiving. And um, she was basically saying that that she wanted to take Carter to school. So she was in the front seat. That was the picture I got. She didn't bark at anybody or any dogs while she was in the car, which is not the norm. Normally she's barking her head off. She was completely quiet. Then I think they went for a walk right after that and she did bark she happened to see three dogs she did bark but the second she was past them she let it go she wasn't turning around she wasn't continuing she wasn't lunging few barks that was it and this is huge for ember like huge i can't even explain it she would go crazy if she even saw or smelt a dog in the distance like super hyper focused fixated on the smell even like stray cats anything like that would set her off and, and the beginning of the text did say, this week it'll be six months of us having her. That is not a lot of time. 
that is so small on the scale of you know we were still figuring oakley out at that time i know it's crazy we only had oakley a year and three months that's not long you know really think about it it's crazy yeah three months so ember's come along i'm so proud of her and i'm so proud of mom with the anxiety like she's been putting her through the ringer and you know taking care of two boys especially one that's you know not well she handles a lot and the fact that she really does put ember first on a lot of these things I just, I'm, I'm grateful for her and I know Ember is too. So congratulations, Ember. You are our Possum University star pupil of the week. And thank you to Kristen, our Possum Walks employee who runs her like two to three times a week. I don't know how you do it, girl. I give you props. Yeah, I don't, I don't do the whole running and thing. Especially just... with a dog, that's tough. You know, like if the dog is like, I know Ember wasn't like perfect in the beginning. Now she's definitely getting her stride, but like it's tough running with the dog. And uh, I think that's really, really helped her get over this because she does see dogs on her run but she's running so she's focused Mm -hmm. so she's getting socialization being around dogs and not having a chance to react so can i get a question answered before we wrap up absolutely we talked about mouthing earlier Mm -hmm. what can i do to get my dog to stop my puppy to stop mouthing me there are so many different things to do for puppy mouthing i think a lot of time is, is keeping keeping calm that's the first thing I can give first advice piece I could give you is to stay calm like how you're saying before like don't move your hand away because you're mm-hmm. gonna get a huge scratch don't move your hand just take the pain for like a second because it's gonna go away but if you if you rip your hand away you're gonna get scratched and you're gonna bleed so try and stay calm my first thing is to do eh, eh. usually puppies that are like brand new they do listen to this and they're like oh you don't like that if the puppy is like super overstimulated and not listening whatsoever the first thing I usually tell my clients to do is a yip. Would you be able to demonstrate that? I don't know how it's going to sound on the radio, but <laughs> try it. Yip! Like that. That's good. Sounds good. Okay. That is like the like the go-to because I guarantee you that dog is mouthing you. They're not really focused on your face. They're looking at your hands. You do that noise. They're going to look up at you like, what just happened? And why do we do that? We do that because that is the noise that the siblings will make. When they get bit too hard, when they are roughhousing, they're playing, 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 10 minutes could go by. That one puppy might have just bit down a little too hard and that other dog was like, ow, that hurt. They yip, they whine, which tells, communicates to the puppy who bit, you bit, you bit me too hard. That's how they learn bite inhibition because they don't know, they don't understand how hard they bit down, how it translates to pain. Yeah. So then they start to learn, oh, when I bite down that hard, they don't like it. It yeah. hurts them. So I won't bite that hard next time because yes. when I do, the fun stops. Now, sometimes when you do the yip, it actually excites the dog. So you really want to use it sparingly. Those are one of the rare special dogs. Yes. (laughs) Where they're like, oh, that sounds fun. Let me bite you harder. So this is not foolproof, but I want you to use it sparingly. Don't do it over and over and over and over again. Because then you're just, you're wasting your yips. You got to use it when it really hurts. Now, if your dog is nipping you while you're walking, try and put a toy in their mouth. Try to redirect them. If your dog is consistent, and and this will happen as you have a dog for like a month or so, you're going to get really fed up with it. The second, if your dog is being good playing and then comes on the couch to snuggle with you and then all of a sudden they're biting on you, the second that dog bites down on you, I want you to get up and I want you to walk away. Not the fifth time, the sixth time, the seventh time after telling them enough, 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 enough. The second they bite on you, get up and walk away. And this needs to happen every single time because that dog needs to learn every single time I bite, They are not having fun and they literally leave me. And that's not fun for me. That's what they need to think. So no tolerate. You don't, you can't tolerate it. You have to get up the second it happens. And this is after a period of time of of them not listening to the eh -eh or the yip. 
All right. So if you want to have your question answered on the Boston University podcast, head over to possumuniversity.com forward slash learn. And right there is a form at the top that you can fill out and we will receive your question and we will answer it on the podcast. So definitely make sure you head over to there. Please subscribe to this podcast, rate us five stars and share with a friend if you like what you heard. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Possum University and at Possum Walks and Jay. And then hashtag Possum University podcast to be featured on our weekly newsletter Mm -hmm. and possibly on our Instagram. Yes. Again, please rate five stars subscribe to this podcast and until next week class dismissed